As some of you know, I have, a, I have three kids. I have three kids. And one of them is a newborn. And my eldest, she's seven, turning eight, and she's uh, not feeling well. So my wife decided to stay home with the kids. She's quite busy. But the fact is that when I preach, she kind of stands at the back with the kids and then shows up around 10, 15 minutes and gives me the sign. You got to wrap it up. She's not here, so we're in it for 40 minutes, friends. <laughs> Buckle up. If anyone wants to do that, I'll, I'll accept it. No, no. <laughs> Give me 15. Uh, all right. Um, Good Shepherd Sunday. We're in the Easter tide. Easter, we've been reflecting on the resurrection as a church. Uh, we've been journeying with St. Peter. Uh, we've been hearing for the past few Sundays, uh, chapter two of Acts, describing a young Peter. Some commentators can put him at 17, even, which at that time, you were a man, likely married, and he's seen the risen Jesus. And now this young man is going out to the multitude, and he's proclaiming the truth. Though he was crucified and buried, God has raised him from the dead, and this risen Jesus is the one we must all turn to in repentance and faith for the cleansing of our sins and for the renewal of our life. And not just our lives, but indeed the whole world. 17-year-old Peter, championing that. And then we also have, as part of our readings this past season, the letters of St. Peter. And now he's writing near the end of his life. He's an older man, likely in his 60s. He's been a pastor. All right, Bill. It's still young. But yeah. you know, he's, been a, he's been a pastor for a while. He's seen a lot. He's been uh, praying through, reflecting, over decades now, what does the resurrection mean, not only to the Christian, but to the church? He's a pastor, and he's writing a letter. And now he's learned that there are these two sides to an honest faith. There are two sides to an honest life lived following Jesus. And we heard, we heard both of them. The first one, it says that as he was preaching, caught the end of that chapter, it says that people were coming, they were sharing food and their belongings, they were selling things off. A new community was being born. Or those who needed help were given it. And more were added to that. Every day, more were being added to the community. So the church is growing. Whether or not, even at that time, they could believe that the resurrection was real, that it happened, it's a hard ask to believe for anyone. But people were encountering a community dedicated to Jesus. Life and love was occurring and it was growing. And that's wonderful. And I think that's what each one of us hopes. You know, when we uh, cultivate our personal spirituality, our faith, when we come to church, I think part of the hope is that we're connecting with something greater than ourselves that can be a force for goodness and love. A place where we can, uh, where our needs have a chance of being met. Where we can help others when they're hurting and suffering. That's good. That's kindness. That's love. And no one's going to disagree with that. At least most folks won't, I think. And that's beautiful. And that's part of the Christian community. And I think if you want that, if you're seeking for that, if you're working towards that, first of all, I want to say God bless you. That's great. I want to encourage you in that. That's we need more of that in this world. 
And sometimes it feels that we should just end there. That's the Christian life. You know, be a good person, do some good works, help others. Stop. Oh, but it gets a little more comfortable than that. Because we have Peter's letter. In Peter's letter, he says, hey, to be a Christian, they're also going to beat you up. There's also suffering involved in it. Because as healing and as powerful the message of the resurrection of Jesus is, because it is, it changes lives, it transforms from bad habits to virtue. It can change you from a broken life to one renewed and made whole. Yeah, there's power in that, but there's also a cost. Because to say that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, well, uh, it strains credulity. It feels very irrational to say that. Right? And if it actually happened, right, because Jesus said some really wild and outlandish things. He said he was the only way, the truth, and life, and no one came to God but through him. When people worshipped him, he didn't say, whoa, that's weird, don't worship me, get out. He didn't do that. When people worshipped him, he stood there and he accepted He proclaimed himself to be God. Right? Of, all the, of all the philosophies, of all the theologies, ideologies this world has ever presented, Jesus Christ, Jesus comes into the world, says, I'm God, and I see you have all this thing you've been writing and talking about, and now I'm going to set it straight. Are you wondering how to connect to God? I'm here. And now you should listen to me. In fact, I made you. I created you. And the purpose of your existence has always been to listen to my voice. Because my voice is the only voice of the creator God. My voice is the only voice of true love. My voice is the only one that can heal your wounds. And you've forgotten that. But I haven't forgotten you. And so Jesus entered this world and he loved human beings perfectly. And he loved God perfectly. And then they murdered him. He was illegally arrested. Right? He was taken to the authorities. And he was lynched on a Roman cross. Right? And I mean, this is my daughter. She gave me this necklace. Their crosses are pretty, right? We adorn our places with it. It has a symbol for us. But this might as well have been an electric chair. That's what it was. It was gross, it was humiliating to die on a cross, but that's what Jesus did. But he didn't stay dead. He was risen from the grave, and that's the complicated part. Because if God raises Jesus from the dead, then whatever he said is the way, right? Because if he said, hey, I'm God, you should listen to me, and then they murder him, and he stays dead, well, then what do you say? Well, he's a lunatic, there he is. A liar. Right? I can forgive sins. He does. Well, he said some really weird things. But that's not what happened. He said all those things. I forgive your sin. Hey, stand up and walk. You can't. You're doing it now. I'm God. They killed him. They buried him. Three days later, he's walking out. And it says in the scriptures, at one point, up to 500 people saw him alive. It wasn't hidden in a corner. It was very public. And it was wildly uncomfortable. 
Because if he is who he says he is, if he's God, then our lives must change. In every human age, but I think especially ours, we have been indoctrinated from a very young age to believe essentially that we're God. You can decide what's right and wrong for yourself. Just be nice to people, but you can decide what's right and wrong. You can decide how you want to have a life fulfilled. You get to decide to follow your dreams, whatever they may be. Just you, 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 you. We're forced by that. And by the time I grew up to an age where I could understand that's what I was being given, I also had to slowly recognize I was given that, but I had also been formed by that. So that my, my deepest instincts, who I am and how I react to this world, are follow that line of reasoning. Me. And the world should bend to me. And I'm a really basic guy. I'm not that special. I'm a product of the world I inhabit. And so we're all caught in this web, in this matrix of, being, of us putting ourselves in the center. Right? Just go outside. You'll see it in the ads. Express yourself. You, you're interviewed by Telus, Plum, and Blah, whatever. It's out there. These shoes will really show the people who you are. They won't. They won't. No, we show us. We show who we are and how we treat each other, especially the weakest of us. Our history is littered by the pain and suffering inflicting each other and the war. Every season, always a war, always something. Our history shows us who we are. We listen to that voice and just enlarge us. Our brokenness, our selfishness, and even the love that we offer. I look at my children and I love them. I love my wife. She's my best friend. And I know that as I love them, my love is laced with my self-serving desires, my selfishness. They can't pull it apart. I'm, I'm caught. We're caught. So Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. There's a voice that we have to be listening to that's outside of ourselves. A voice not of our own making. A voice that we must follow. And that's the voice of Jesus. And Jesus, his voice, is something very unique and very special. Because before he was crucified, that voice was the voice of a, a teacher, of a sage, it was the voice of a prophet, the voice of a dear friend. But what was kind of veiled, but now has been shown after the resurrection, is that his voice is and has always been the voice of our Creator God. And Jesus, God, is offering us his love and his hope to renew our lives to help us do that which we can't do ourselves. Because there's so much that we need to do in this world that we actually do not have the resources for. Because what we need in this world is reconciliation, forgiveness, and peace. And those things, born solely out of human ingenuity, is never enough. Always some forgiveness is just too short. Always some treaty is not, doesn't treat the other person fairly. Always something. 
and the cycle continues. Isn't there someone in your life right now that you can't forgive? Oh, there's a lot. We're all hurt. On our own, I don't know that we can. But with Jesus, yes, it's possible. It's more than possible. Jesus can help us do that which we can't do. To love radically with generosity. To forgive what we thought was unforgivable. And in that, find the healing of our lives, but also the healing of the world. That's what we need. But we have to hear the voice. Now the question. Well, how do we do that? Because as hard as it was to believe in the resurrection 2,000 years ago, it's hard today. And I can't rehearse the past four Sundays. I'm going to invite you to our website. You can listen to the sermons there. But today we're asking, how do we hear this voice? I invite you to spend time with Jesus. Every day, we're told that we're masters of our time. And we live that way. We set our schedules. Part of the beauty of the Anglican tradition is that it has uh, the, the cycles of morning and evening prayer. And you're invited to walk into that, to be shaped by that daily practice. And part of that, I don't know if you know this, but it's submitting. When you have 9, 4 p.m., you're submitting to that cycle of prayer. What you're doing is saying, I don't set my own timetable. I'm walking to God's timetable, to the divine pattern. I'm laying down my arms, pretending that I'm at the center of the universe, and walking in to the truth that there is a God. His name is Jesus. He's come to us. We killed him. He was raised from the dead. And in him, in his life, and his reality is the healing of the world and my life. And I follow him. And I want to hear his voice. And so I come to church on Sunday. And I hear God's word read, not just here, but also in my own time. Every day, I spend some time reading God's word. Not just reading it to derive facts, but I'm reading it to see what is God saying to me today in this passage. It's a living word. It's not just a book. God's living voice. I read it and I meditate on it. And I pray, God, what are you saying to me here? And how does this challenge my preconceptions, my selfishness, and how does this make me a person like your son, Jesus? Read it. Pray. When someone hurts me, and I don't want to forgive them, I remember that your son gave his life and he forgave me. And that takes me off my moral high horse and that puts me in the same boat with the person that I feel hurt me. And we've got to figure this out. But I'm no better. Not really. Forgiveness can grow and flourish. I give you three there pretty quickly. There's more. But I'm not really hopped up on application because what I want to tell you this morning, hopefully you can hear it. God is real. Jesus is real. His resurrection is real. And if you want to hear his voice, I hope you do. You have to spend time with him. Your heart has to submit. I'm not God, set for God. I'm not in charge. Jesus is in charge. 
and he's a wonderful king. He doesn't come with weapons of war. He doesn't come with armies. He comes as a, as a gentle shepherd. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll meet your every need if you let him in. But Jesus isn't a bully. He's not a tyrant. He won't force himself in your life. You must choose him. My hope is that you choose him. Give him a chance, even today. Not only for your great good, but for God's greater glory. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, oh, we give you thanks. We give you so much thanks and praise, God, that in our day-to-day -day lives, uh, when we forget you, you don't forget us. When we fall away, you're always calling us back home. You're always speaking your words of hope and love to each one of us. And so God, I pray right now for all of us here, if there's anything in our lives that is muting your voice, that's blocking your communication of love to us, God, I pray that you remove it, that you kill it. Help us to hear your voice and help us that when we hear it, give us the courage to listen and then to follow you wherever you may lead. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.